Hello, I'm Mike Patra, and I'm the host of the Hoopball DFS Today podcast. Come join us as we go game by game, breaking down our top plays, fades, values, pivots, and talk overall strategy for both tournaments and cash games. And the best part, we're doing this seven days a week. So come check us out. That's Hoopball DFS Today. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Mike Patria for any updates, listener contests, and DFS information. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Vespers, and this is, as always, a Hoop Ball presentation. It's Monday. We are through a week of the actual NBA playoffs. We have seen two teams swept out of the bubble, eliminated. So we bid farewell, first thing on this Monday edition, to the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. The Pacers are on the brink of disaster. They play later today in a possible third sweep, and every other series is at least mildly contested to this point, which is by all accounts a pretty good thing and also another striking indictment of the imbalance in the NBA between the Eastern and Western conferences and how top-heavy the, the, the Eastern conference is. So top-heavy. We complained about that, and even while I was complaining about it, I was like, well, maybe the, maybe the Clippers will dispatch of the Mavs pretty quickly. Or, I don't know, maybe the Lakers will sort of wake up and beat down on the Blazers. And as I was saying it, I was like, uh, no, it really is top-heavy because the Nets are not good, or they weren't this year, at least. They were good enough. They played hard, give them credit, they played hard, but Toronto's a really good team, and Toronto knew better than to take anyone lightly. They came in and they just, they whomped them. Milwaukee had a one-game wake-up call but they appear to now have Orlando pretty well in hand. The Heat and the Pacers are actually relatively, it's a pretty closely matched series. And then in every single game, Miami just pulls away by 8 to 10 points right at the end of the ball game. It's happening in every single game. It's crazy how unbelievably repetitive that series has been. Miami by 9 in the third game. Miami by 9 in the second game. Miami by 12 in the first game. And every one of those was competitive basically until the start of the fourth quarter. And then Miami's like, all right, it's time to, it's time for percentages to win out. We're going to be talking to Adam King here shortly on the podcast about fantasy stuff, believe it or not. Yes, we, we found something interesting to dig into. I, uh, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Clarion call here at the beginning of the podcast for those in the betting community, I know we've been talking a lot about that on the pods these days. If you are huge into sports betting and you'd like to jump on over to the other side of the curtain, hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com is the email address. Again, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We are looking to add to our ranks. We're looking to add to our ranks. Ira and Devin and Troy right now makes up a very lean, mean betting machine, but it's time to expand, and that could be you if you hit me up 
and you get through our litany of questions, the battery here, uh, you could be part of that betting team to join today in sports betting, today uh, hoopball gaming, the Twitter feed. We want you, picture me pointing at you. What I'd like to do on today's podcast, before we dive into the fantasy stuff, is very quickly preview today's games because one is starting in an hour. That's Orlando-Milwaukee. Milwaukee favored by 13, total of 225 and a half. These games have now sort of equilibrated a bit. They've got the numbers right. Milwaukee is winning these games by around that margin. They won by 15 back on Thursday. They won by 14 over the weekend. The totals were close. It was 228 over the weekend. Uh, it was a little bit low. It went under all those games. Remember last week I said look for game twos and game threes to maybe go under as these teams now finally feel each other out. By this time, by game four, the lines are pretty tight. There's not going to be a, a whole lot of fluffy value built in, but we'll keep doing our live in-game stuff. You know, this is, uh, by the way, an opportunity for Milwaukee to go up 3-1 to one in the series. This is a series where, to this point, Orlando's shown a lot of fight. And I would be pretty surprised if they didn't continue to do so in this ballgame. There's sort of no reason not to. They aren't dead in the water yet the way that uh, Brooklyn was. And even Philly, you could make the argument they were basically dead in the water. Philly should have been able to keep up better than they did. And they were very competitive in uh, two of those three games. In fact, they were leading by they were leading by two with, I think, 90 seconds left in game three. And then Boston scored the last 10 points of the ballgame. Whoops. Houston, Oklahoma City. Uh, nice to see the Thunder actually wake up and play a little bit in the third game of that, that series. I still, I'm still not a believer that Oklahoma City has figured something out. They shot 44.5% uh, and won that game 119-107 to 107 in overtime. So that game... Uh, just barely went over the total after overtime. And it's worth noting that the Rockets, outside of Jeff Green, really shot the ball horribly in that ball game. Meanwhile, over on the Thunder side, the only Thunder player that didn't have a great ball game was Danilo Gallinari, and his game still ended up okay because he took eight and all and made all eight of his free throws. Uh, Steven Adams is probable, by the way, for this ballgame coming up. Dennis Schroeder was great. He had 29. Chris Paul, 26. He's been extremely efficient. He looks great in these playoffs. Uh, Shea had 23, 7-6 with five defensive stats and three three-pointers. It took everything, man. I just, I still don't see, other than the fact that Oklahoma City is is hunting whatever maybe small mismatches they can find, I, I still don't fully see how even a decent game from Houston doesn't beat them pretty much every time. In addition, in a sort of a weird twist, Harden missed a bunch of free throws and fouled out of this ballgame. Daniel House missed, missed a few free throws. Houston saw it under 70% at the foul line for the ballgame. So did OKC, by the way. Although Nerlens Noel missing three and Steven Adams missing three contributed pretty heavily to that because Gallo made all eight of his Schroeder went seven out of nine Shea two for two so it was mostly the big men taking a dump on the Thunder's free throw percent they've been calling this series uh pretty loose they've been letting them beat each other up pretty good 
There were more free throws in this one because, you know, they played an extra five minutes. But uh, they're, they're letting them fight. Uh, Lugates Dort has done a really nice job defensively on James Harden. Presumably, they'll just sort of stick with that. I've got to think that at some point, the lobbying will kick in, and you'll see Harden get a couple more calls. The fact that Dort only had three fouls in an overtime game was pretty surprising. So, uh, again, it only takes an okay game from Houston to win. So I do I do lean in their direction again. I know that it's, it's you know, one of the things that's a little bit weird about these all of these series is that there's no change of home court. So there's a couple things going on in that regard. And maybe the biggest one, and I'll try to wrap up this thought as quick as I can, but it struck me as I was watching them is this would be, if ever there was a time where a team could actually come back from being down 3-0 or potentially 3-1, I know we've seen that happen before. It's quite rare, but we've seen it happen. This would be the spot for it. For a couple of reasons. Number one, you could make the argument, look, if you go up 3-0 or 3-1, you are more than likely just the better team in the series. But little things can now change a series in a much bigger way, where, say, take Miami-Indiana. That game is the third one on our docket today. By the way, uh, the line in that second game, Rockets by 2.5, total of 224.5. I think that's pretty spot on. Line in game three, Miami by six, total of 216.5. The reason that this popped in my head was looking at this ball game. Miami finally now favored by a pretty big number. It had very slowly climbing. They were favored by, uh, what the hell was the first number in that series? Miami, uh, they were four point, they were four point favorites, then four and a half, then five. And now finally it's climbed to six as they continue to beat that number in every ball game. Now, normally, I would look at a 3-0 series and say, it's done. The team that's down 3-0 can just mail it in at this point. And let's be clear here. Miami has shown themselves to be the better team. It's not dumb luck that they found themselves up 3-0 in the series. Malcolm Brogdon had a huge ball game the last one, and they still lost. They shot 49% and still lost. Uh, because Miami took 52 free throws in what was an, a truly a, egregiously ugly ball game, just from an officiating standpoint. Like, you, you just can't, you can't let a team take 52 free throws and expect people to continue to watch the basketball game. And Victor Oladipo fouled out. Brogdon had five fouls, four apiece for TJ Warren, Miles Turner, Aaron Holiday, and Jakar Sampson. And they were just basically all shooting fouls, like 52 free throws. I know there were some down the stretch, but Jimmy Butler took 20. Adebayo had nine. Those two guys had 29 between the two of them. Jay Crowder, Duncan Robinson took six. Okay, I get it. I'm sure a lot of them were fouls, but it's time to, it's time to take the belt buckle back one notch. That's too many. That's too many, guys. So anyway, the point of all of this is, look, Miami's the better team. They've won all three games. They've won them, not decisively, but they've won them with a, a, the better stretch play in particular. Jimmy Butler hit a couple of big three-pointers in the first two wins. Uh, game three was more about his free-throw shooting and the contributions. Again, Goran Dragic has been amazing in the playoffs so far. Adebayo 
when he's in, Miami wins. It's as simple as that. That's why I faded them in game in game two because he got into foul trouble. And then he just he stopped picking up fouls after that point. Tyler Hero has been very good. Jay Crowder has been solid. Duncan Robinson has been his usual self. Miami just has the right mixture right now, where Indiana, as good as they played in that third game offensively, they still weren't great defensively, and, and then obviously committed too many fouls. So under normal circumstances, you'd look at what's happening right now. By the way, Indiana was technically the favorite, so... If this was outside of the bubble, my guess is they probably would have won one of those first two games. Miami probably would have won both of their home games, and you'd be going back to Indiana with Miami up 3-1. to one. But let's forget that for a moment, and let's, let's, actually, uh, let's pretend that Miami was the favorite, that they were the four. Because this, I mean, come on, you're splitting hairs at this point. Miami, let's say they were up 3-0 on Indiana, outside the bubble, and let's say game four, well, it doesn't really matter. Let's say it was in Miami, like it would have been. Indiana goes in there, and they're like, look, we're cooked, man. We're cooked. There's two more games in Miami in this series. We'd have to win two road games in addition to the two games we'd, we'd have to win back home, which, by the way, would also include a game seven, and it would be four in a row. Indiana, in that situation, it'd be very easy to just give up. If Miami hit him in the mouth in a game in Miami to just say, meh, all right, well, we're not getting it, we're done. What if game four was in Indiana? They might, you might feel inclined to play a little bit, but at the same time, they're just like, look, even if we win this game at home, we still have to win two. Like, we still have to go back and win two in Miami. There's a mental thing going on there where you're like, look, we're down 3-0. To win this series, we're going to have to win two road games against a team that's better than us right now. What if someone got hurt on the Miami side? Let's, let's extend this hypothetical a little bit farther. What if Goran Dragic got hurt? They still have this looming road situation hanging over their heads. And that's actually one of the reasons why I think it's a little different in the bubble, is that for Indiana, they can just say, look, this series is close and there's never a game where they get a court advantage. If we can just tip things in our favor, if someone on their side goes down for two games with an injury, and, and it levels off because you know we don't have Sabonis or Jeremy Lamb, if, they, if someone on that side gets hurt, and all of a sudden they're not a five- or six-point favorite, but like a two-point favorite for every game the rest of the series, in Indiana's mind, they never have to think about going on the road. It's just like, look... Every game's a coin flip. Let's just go out there and play our butts off. Maybe we get four heads in a row, or whatever it turns out to be. So I, I don't, I'm not counting Indiana out. In fact, I'm getting six points. Is to me, it's sort of asking me to bet on the Indiana side. Uh, total of two seventeen and a half. I'm fine with. I don't know how the officials are going to call it. I'm hoping there's not eighty five, ninety free throws again, but it is what it is. And then finally, the last game on the docket tonight: Lakers and Blazers. Lakers by seven. Total of two twenty five and a half. Lakers defense has been terrific. We saw Anthony Davis wake up in the second half. I actually thought Portland played a better game than the Lakers on uh, for most of Saturday's contest, and it didn't matter. The Lakers shot 50% because Portland just couldn't stop them when they got near the bucket. Lakers took a ton of free throws, but it didn't matter because they couldn't make any of them. In fact, the fouls were relatively even by the end of the ballgame. 
Uh, <laughs> Lakers barely had more points than Portland at the free throw line despite taking 25 additional free throws. Carmelo Anthony played well. CJ McCollum played well. Dame was decent, if somewhat unspectacular, in this one. They got they got big contributions from all of those guys, and it still wasn't enough. LeBron was great. AD was great. And the Lakers held Portland once again to just 41% shooting. They're just suffocating them. And for the Blazers, I, I watched that game, and I just kept thinking, you know, they just keep making jump shots, jump shot, jump shot, jump shot. They just keep going down. Mid-range from Mello, mid-range from McCollum, some three balls, Dame, three-pointers regularly. The issue with the Blazers right now is they don't get much that's easy. I get it. They're very good shooters. So for them, some of those shots are easier than the average bear. But they're just not like, where are the dunks? Where are the layups? Where are the easy buckets that pull your field goal percent up a little bit? That's why I looked at these numbers and I was like, look, Mello, McCollum, Dame, those guys all shot 40% or better on heavily and largely contested jump shots. And at the end of it, I'm thinking, look, if they're going to make that many jump shots, they got to win the ball game, and they didn't. And that's a bad side for Portland. Good sign for the Lakers is that they're starting to get a few little, like, tiny nuggets of contribution from guys besides LeBron and AD. Danny Green hit a couple of three-pointers in that one. That's all they need out of him is to hit a couple of threes. Alex Caruso was fantastic in Game 3. Ten points, four boards, seven assists. That might be the best game he's played as a pro. And KCP hit three more threes, although, frankly, it took him too many shots to get there. What are you doing taking 13 shots? All right, at least he's confident. And the Lakers are just gigantic. They're so big that Yusuf Nurkic... Did you guys watch that game on Saturday? I watched that game on Saturday. It's one of the few games I got to watch uh, every second of over the weekend. The Blazers were so gassed by the end of that game. Nurkic looked like he could barely stand up. I'm a little worried someone's going to get hurt. He played 35 minutes, which is not an insane number. But the Lakers are just beating the hell out of him. So we'll see. Seven points is a lot to cover uh, because Portland's not going anywhere. They're not going to lie down. But I'll tell you, you know, they have to hit all of those jumpers if they want to hang in there. Or they have to defend a lot better. But, you know, we've seen like 80 games out of the Blazers now, and it doesn't look like they're going to defend. All of these lines, all of this fun we're having is with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Join us in our quest to double, triple, quadruple our bankrolls. Put in a minimum deposit of $45 with promo code HOOPBALL at mybookie.ag. You can deposit match if you like. You can ignore them, but please do use promo code HOOPBALL when you sign up. All one word, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Uh, that'll let them know that we sent you. And then you can bet along with us here. All of our leans, all of our in-game stuff. I know Brew is posting his plays on Twitter. And then the guys over at Hoopball Gaming are doing a terrific job. Again, that's mybookie.ag. Head there now. They've been stellar, especially on the customer service side. They've been wonderful for us. We've sort of tested out all the different things before we wanted to, to sort of jump into the sack here with a company like that. And uh, they've been wonderful. They've checked all the boxes so please do give them a try. Again, minimum deposit, $45. Promo code is HOOPBALL. Who said there's no fantasy stuff to talk about right now? Oh, wait. Um, that was me. That was me who said that. I may have jumped the gun a tiny bit. Uh, so with that, we welcome back to the show one of our good friends, 
the assistant managing editor right here at Hoopball, the great Adam King. What's up, man? It's um. Let's see. I'm. I said I wasn't going to talk about what time it was, but it's. I liked it. I like to play the time zone game anytime I'm on a call with someone who's not within three time zones of me. So it's two fifteen in the afternoon here. What time is it where you're at? It is seven fifteen a.m. where I am. It's the next nice day. And early. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on Saturday and, and and a day after you. So I'm in, in the future. It's just it never. It never ceases to boggle my mind. I mean, I totally understand how it all works. And, you know, it's the only way that folks can have their daytimes. But it just seems crazy to me that you and I are talking and uh, your weekend has just begun. And I'm still right smack in the middle of my the last day of my work week. It just seems crazy. Like, it seems like you should be able to tell me what's happening in the future. I like maps, so maybe that's part of it. But regardless, good morning to you. Good morning. Good yeah. to be here again. Um, very cold. Very different weather too. I would say it's pretty cold here. It only it got to a top. I'm just doing a bit of a conversion here, and I think that our top temperature yesterday was around forty. And that's your. Are you converting to Fahrenheit now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, so what is that? Fahrenheit. So what? that's five degrees. Celsius five Celsius. Here. Okay. So I remember how to do this. It's nine fifths plus thirty two. I remember this. Uh, Yes, it is, according to Google. You're yeah, correct. I, I tutored uh, SAT math for a little bit in my younger years. So that one's uh, that's an easy one. If you're 5 Celsius, that just goes yep. to 9, and then you add 32. So yeah, that'd be 41. Easy peasy. Yeah. Um, yes. Going the other way is harder. You subtract 32, and then you do 5 ninths. So it's, uh, it's 83 where I'm at right now. Um, okay. So minus 32 would get you to uh, 51. And five ninths of fifty-one is what is that? Nine goes into that about five and a half times. Times five is what? Twenty-seven like, ish. Twenty-seven and a half. Somewhere in that neck of the woods. Okay, yep. there you go. So that's where Very we're nice. at over here. Yeah, it's not bad actually. I live in yeah. uh, West LA. We're about three and a half miles from an ocean, so that uh, tends to keep things relatively temperate. So I, uh, by the way, you can follow Adam on Twitter, and you should at Adam King ninety-one. You have a great, great Twitter feed. Uh, one of the most, if not the most active fantasy experts out there. It's part of why I love following you and talking to you. And you've come to the pod to talk about something that's not playoffs or betting, which is great because that's the only stuff I've been talking about lately. You've got an early look at next season's fantasy stuff, whenever the hell next season turns out to be. So let's dive right on in. What you got for us? Uh, so, yeah, really just, I mean, creating content, really, because there isn't anything else. Um, <laughs> so I just thought I'd do a bit of a top 12 for next season. Uh, I mean, not there's no real big surprises in there, but maybe, maybe a couple of players uh, that we can have a little bit of a chat about that you may or may not agree with. So, um, yeah, let's, yeah, that's so, all, I guess. Just so, finding something to talk about. Are they uh, top 12 in order or just your favorite 12 of any ilk? Uh, no, look, let's go top 12 in order. Okay. All right, get us started. Just, who's your Who's yeah, your number? Well, is this eight or nine, Cat, first of all? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we had a bit of a discussion about this. I'm going to go eight, Cat, for okay. this, just because I, do, I just don't like turnovers as a category. Um, so I, I tend to, even when I draft in nine, nine cat i tend to not pay a lot of attention to turnovers um and i also tend to punt a lot more than you do i think so in roto um, or head-to-head or both no in head-to-head in head-to-head oh yeah you know what i'm actually okay with it i know i've 
like I, I really I need to do a better job, I think, on this pod of of sort of elucidating what I mean when I talk about my different strategies. I never punt in Roto on draft day. I do uh, what I've referred to affectionately as give up on a category. If I'm like second from the bottom in something and I can trade someone on my team who, say, is good in points or whatever I'm second from the bottom in and get and boost myself by one or two slots in, say, rebounds and blocks, then the ROI on that move makes a lot of sense. In head-to-head, I'm in an 11-category head-to-head league that I punt turnovers and field goal percent every single year, without okay. almost without fail. So I'm not... I am not adamantly against it. I think it's actually a good strategy because mostly because of playoffs. You know, you, it, I, I love getting that first round by, and that's a little harder to do if you're punting. But once you're in the postseason, you want the team that's going to win five or more categories reliably every week. So I'm not, I'm not staunchly opposed to it. And so I'm going to just tune my mind to head-to-head mode for this discussion today, which makes me think, Number one is not actually a question mark because if it's nine cat, there's a little question on number one, eight cat. There's no question on number one. No, there isn't. It's James Harden. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's an easy. As a much gimmick. as I'd like to make a case for someone else, um, he he's just yeah, he's pretty incredible. I mean, this season he was far and away the number one player. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at the numbers. I think he's Anthony Davis was number two, and yeah. I think James Harden was worth like. One and a half Anthony Davises in eight cat. That's crazy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's he, he's far and away the best player, and he's. I mean, I th- I guess you look at his scoring and and um and assists that, those numbers. It's but it, it really is his defense that sort of helps him there. I mean, you look at his steal value. Um, although he's never sort of considered a. a sort of a top-notch defender. He racks up those numbers. He was fourth in the league in steals. Yeah, he's really good at jumping passing lanes. Really good at that. Yeah, yeah. I think he just has a knack for knowing what another team's offensive player is thinking. Like, he knows where guys are going to be because it's what he looks at on offense. Every play, as the initiator, especially now with Westbrook out uh, for Houston, and, you know, he played without a premier usage guy alongside of him for a while. I think that there's that sort of savant nature with Harden where he sees someone else coming downhill towards him and he's like, oh, well, he's going to go to that guy in the corner. I'm going to jump that passingly. And he's he's he'd be, he's become a better one-on-one defender, but the steals numbers are largely him picking off stuff and, and just reading another player's offense better than most other guys can. You make a great point. He's a 2.7. He almost blocked a shot a game this year. 2.7 combined steals and blocks. That's elite level combo numbers in those things. There's only like five to ten guys in the league that are are doing more combined steals and blocks than James Harden was. Yeah, if you look at the, I mean, this the top twelve from this year. Uh, there's only what three players other than Harden who averaged more than more than point nine blocks per game. So while it's not it's not a mind blowing number, obviously point nine. It, it it makes a difference when you, especially. I mean, we know we know how much of an impact those defensive numbers have on uh, on fantasy value. So, yeah. Um, yeah, look, pretty clear number one. I, I uh, barring an injury or something like that, I don't see anyone overtaking him next year. Right, and and you know, I know that the this the discussion here isn't really whether or not to take him number one. It is interesting to get into the minutia a tiny bit when you look at the other guys. Again, James Harden at 2.7 combined steals and blocks. The other guys in the NBA that are at that mark or better 
are Andre Drummond, uh, Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis, and Jonathan Isaac. Oh, and Rob Covington. And I think that's it. 2.7 combined or higher. I think that's the list. There might be one other guy. Like if you take Nurkic's games in the bubble, he fills, he, he falls into that group. But, you know, you're talking about eight games at that point that didn't count during a regular season for most people. Uh, I, I don't believe anyone else in the NBA was at 2.7 combined or higher. And Harden gets, like you said, all of his credit for his scoring, but he's actually, what did I just list off? Five names, top five yep. defensive stats guys in the NBA. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's that's why I mean that that's why he's he's number one because he contributes everywhere. His field goal percentage is up and down, but that's not sort of that's not really a bother when you you're scoring that many points and doing other things. Yeah, when he's premier elite in free throws, steals, assists, threes, and scoring, uh, and for a guard, well above average in blocks and rebounds. Yeah, tough to argue with that one. I mean, obviously, it's number yep. one, but we're just sort of going yep. through the reasons why that maybe go under the radar a little bit. Okay, uh, number yep. two. Let, let's let's make uh, things a little bit more interesting here. This 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 is where you have to make a couple of decisions. Who's number two on your board? Yeah, a few decisions here. So I went with Anthony Davis at number two again. Um, he was number two this year, reasonably comfortably. Um, there isn't as, as much of a gap. Uh, between him and number three, as there was between Harden and Davis, but uh, I th- I think that injury, that the sort of injury tag, people are, do I draft him? Is he going to play all the games? I think that's almost gone now. Um, I mean, he, I don't know how many. You're a Lakers fan. How many games did he miss this year? It wouldn't have been many. Uh, now I'm I've got all my stuff mishmashed here. Um, but 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 before the bubble, I think he was at. 58 before the bubble? Does that sound right? Yeah, that's about right. Because so now it all got mushed together. Yeah. He's at 64 yeah. altogether. I think he I think he played in six out of the eight bubble games. I might be off by one or two. It's hard yeah. it's hard to get the right stats from the pre-shutdown. But yeah, I think he missed like I think he missed like seven games before the shutdown. Yeah, okay. So yeah, look, I and I think LeBron James is obviously he's um He's getting on a bit in in age. He's still still amazing for his age, but um, I think it's going to be become well. If it's not already, it's going to become Davis's team. So I think there, there's scope there for him to actually um, add to his scoring and that sort of thing over the next couple of seasons. Uh, so yeah, I think you'd still be pretty safe taking him at number two. Yeah, I'm with you. You know I'm a big Anthony Davis fan. I, I think he got a bad yeah. rap for being soft when the Pelicans just didn't want to play him. If they didn't have a shot to win things, they were going to shut him down for a little stuff, and now he plays through. I mean, I make my jokes about it being irritable bowel, but simple fact is he just he gets nicked up, he goes back, gets himself taped, and, and comes back to the ballgame. He's been, you know, outside of, of nailing his tailbone, I think he missed three or four games for that. Otherwise, he was pretty damn durable this year, and it wasn't the kind of heart attack season that everybody talks about the, the thing is like there are still those moments with him where you're hoping he comes back in the ball game but at the same time I feel like we have to put this all in perspective people were debating whether to take Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns because one was durable and the other one wasn't but then look what happened it's that you know it's that old adage like you're only you're only healthy until you're not you're only not healthy until you are I don't I don't subscribe to the Anthony Davis being injury prone thing uh, largely because 
the one year in New Orleans where they were decent, he played games. He played through stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm with you on, on AD at number two. I see no reason to, to back off of that one. He did have a little space between himself and the number three guy, and some of that space was created. Um, th- that, that space shrunk during the bubble when he wasn't playing well or full games, and the guy right behind him this last year was playing full games, like 42 minutes a night. Uh, and I'm looking at this last season. Dame was number three. Is he your number three guy uh, in 8-cap for next year, or are you going another direction? Uh, another direction. It, it's. I think you could make a case for uh, probably the next few guys that I've got. You could sort of mix it up a little bit depending on whether you're focusing on one stat or, or just if you have a preference to one player over the other. So number three, I've actually gone Steph Curry. Mm. Um, Looking yeah, for the, the comfortable, healthy bounce back? Yeah, I, I think so. I like to think that um, the Warriors are going to be well. Yeah, back to full health. They've got a. Uh, they're going to have a nice uh, young piece coming in after the lottery yesterday, um, and I just think, yeah, I think Curry will just be a bit of a point to prove after the last couple of seasons. And um, we know what he can do. We know what he did that year. Though I think it was about 2015 or something, where yeah. where he's he ended as the number one player by some ridiculous number so (laughs) yeah it wasn't um, it wasn't close it wasn't close uh let me see if i can figure out when the heck that was yeah i think you're right i think it was the 15 16 season he he just annihilated everyone um kd was number two that year harden was number three steph 30 points five and a half boards almost seven assists two steals five threes on a 50 40 90 season 50 40 91 actually (laughs) if you want to get specific with it um yeah, he was crazy, and it does look. I'm a, I'm a massive Warriors proponent for this coming year. I, I totally misread the situation. I thought this season was going to be the the prove it year. Like we're still good without KD, but then when Steph got hurt, that all got obliterated. Um, yeah. But there, I mean, Draymond has been very vocal about the fact that like he's going to turn back the clock for next year. He's ready to prove things again. Uh, I, I'm I'm on board with drafting as many Warriors as humanly possible this coming season. And so I, I, I don't know that I can really argue with you on the Steph at three. Maybe just on the the note of he probably goes later than that, wouldn't you think? Not by much, but some. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think. I mean, this is sort of where I guess where I would be taking guys. Like I've got my number ten player when we get down there is actually someone who I think will go much higher. Um, and there's a pretty obvious reason for why I drop him down and everyone will understand that. But um, yeah, no, look, Curry could, could drop, I think. So my number four is, uh, is Towns. So Cat, I think, and, and he could very well go above Curry um, in many drafts. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, good pick. Yeah. Good pick. He averaged over yeah. three turnovers a game. So you're pulling out a, a stat that was a bit to his detriment this last year. He's doing more passing uh, was averaging four and a half assists a game before uh, his injury. He only logged 35 games this year, but he's set to go big. I mean, that's they're, they're opening things up in Minnesota. He's with his buddy. That's another team yep. where it seems like a bunch of guys have, have things to prove. I like it. I, I mean, I think Cat will be more durable next year. He, he'll have something to prove. He could have a giant season. He could actually put up numbers pretty similar to what he did this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I think – and they've got um... – as we saw again with the lottery, they're, they're going to, well, unless they trade, they're going to get the number one pick. Um, and while the draft isn't 
overly strong this season. It, it still gives them another um, another key piece there. And, and yeah, no, I look, I think he'll he'll absolutely have something to prove. And and the the Timberwolves, I think, as a team, have something to prove. They they've they're sort of a consistent underachieving team. So um, yeah, taking him at four, I'd be pretty comfortable there. Absolutely. What do you got at five? Uh, five could be one to um, oh, not. Could, cause controversy but but probably <laughs> um started a discussion uh so i've got uh luca at number five yeah that's um, not that insane i mean you he was number eight uh this year in in eight cat uh turnovers yeah. are a big reason why he's he's at a very different spot in eight versus nine category league so i mean the, the thing you look at with him is can he sustain his free throw shooting over the whole year or yeah. will he have a three-month major blip where he went from a first rounder to like a late second rounder this year. Yeah, it's that, that's it. Really comes down to free throws for him. Um, I think we've seen in the bubble, we've seen in the, in the playoffs that he, he can rack up numbers, uh, especially on the offensive end. Like obviously scoring and assists are fantastic. He does have to lift his defensive numbers a little bit. Um, I, I think that's that's another area where he could improve. But I mean, you look at how how steep. The, the curve has been in, in regards to his um, improvements just in the last 12 months. And um, he, I mean, he's, yeah, he's incredible. So I, I, I think five and look, I could even see some leagues where people are, are sort of willing to take a little bit of a risk. I could even see Doncic going at number one in some leagues. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I just think there'll be some, some people who get the number one pick who are just, well, I want to, I just don't want to take Harden. <laughs> I just I want, want this other guy up. on my team. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. People get attached yeah. to names. People let their heart dictate things a little bit too much. Um, yeah, I mean, Luca's gonna have a giant season, right? Like, the, I I don't know where I don't know what he does next, but I'm also wouldn't be surprised for him to find something. You know, it it does from a fantasy standpoint. It does feel like the percentages are the areas where that he can show the greatest jump. In eight cat, at yeah. the very least, uh, I don't think he's ever yeah. going to block shots. If his steals change, it might be from one to like one point one. So it's helpful, but probably not a, an earth-shattering move there. Um, but you know, the free throws, the field goal, and the free, free throws got better. They both got better this year, and that's why he was a first rounder in eight cat anyway. But that next leap, what you're talking about, from eighth to fifth, that's a big jump, and it's going to require him not being a big drag in free throw percent. And I, you know, I, th- I feel like he can do it. To me, it seemed like a lot of his free throw stuff was like a mental exhaustion element, where he was he was just making them early, and he stopped making them late. And I, I admit I haven't tracked the the bubble free throw shooting as closely as I should, perhaps. But he's, I mean, he's an easy first rounder in eight cat. The question is where where do you take him in that round? And so yeah, it's not insane. I mean, who do you have who do you have behind him so we can maybe argue about whether or not he should be in front of or those or behind those guys? Uh so behind him I've got Lillard. Um and I mean as we've seen over the last two weeks, I mean Lillard has a case for being a top three player. Um but I just think I he just seems to be forever sort of stuck in that six, seven range Lillard. Uh, and I'm not sure where he can take his game. Um, I don't know how much he can add to, yeah. to what he's already <laughs> would, doing. It would have to be half court shots at this point. Yeah, it would. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think, I mean, the bubble, obviously if people 
it's going to depend how much how much weight they put on the bubble. I mean, if you base it on what he's done in Orlando, he he could go second or third, but it's a pretty small sample size. Um, and you look at the whole season, and I think he finished the season uh, at number three. Um, but the bubble did bump those numbers up it did, uh, yeah. a little bit. And then you've got, like, I've got Curry above him. He obviously didn't play. Towns missed um, a big chunk of the season. Um, Doncic, I think, is a player that you could see improving quite a bit uh, in certain areas. So that that's why I think Lillard sort of dr- then drops back to that, that number six, seven spot. But in saying that, he's probably one of the safer picks Um his ceiling and his floor are almost the same. Yeah, I always, I keep looking at Dame and thinking, when is he going to tire of this treadmill? And he never does. They're just, he's, he's, he was remarkable. Like you said, his numbers were bumped up a bit by the bubble. He wasn't, he wasn't third on a per game basis before the bubble. I think he moved in front of Kawhi Leonard and Cat. Now on a totals basis, he was in front of both of those guys just because of games yeah. played. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know me, I, I'm a big Dame fan in fantasy because he fits my, the Dan Vespers mold of guy you take where you know you're going to get a very productive, like 90, 85 to 95% of games played kind of season out of a first round guy. And he's not going to, he's probably not going to be too flashy. I'll admit, I mean, this year, by all accounts, this is probably like the flashiest fantasy season you could have expected out of Dame. Um, but I'd be I'd be thrilled to get him in that in that six seven range next year. Yeah. That that would be a great yep. spot to get him because you know he's going to get right around that mark, and that's perfect for a first rounder. Just don't screw it up. That's the key. So all right, that's fair. I'd probably go Dame uh, in front of Luca because I love this the safety of it. But I I totally get the the upshot play there because I don't they're not going to be separated by that much at the end of the day. All right, who's seven? Uh, so seven, I've got Kawhi at number seven. Uh, he was number five this year on a per game basis. Um, and I think obviously the, the, uh, the issue with Kawhi sort of this season, last season is, is the missed games. But in saying that, I, I think because we, we can almost preempt how many games he's going to miss. So whereas, I mean, you, he doesn't, he didn't really get injured this year. Every game he missed was was a management type of game. So there is a little bit of certainty there around him. I guess you know you know how many games you're going to get, so you can you can plan for that. Um, so yeah, look, I'd be fairly comfortable taking him at number seven there. Again, there are, there are a few guys here that I've got in this area who who could move up, who could move down. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think around seven is good for Kawhi. And yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, he does probably a tiny bit less next year if Paul George is actually healthy for the entire season. Um, but he's yeah. a very reliable guy. You know he's going to miss his uh, his 12 back-to-backs or whatever they turn out to be and probably a game or two on top of that. But at this point, most guys are missing about 10 games. So with him, you're only missing an extra three to five. It's not that, not that huge of a deal. Uh, I think he's a guy, by the way, you can probably... I bet he's a guy you could draft later because I I would bet most of my fortune that guys like Trey Young and Giannis get drafted in front of Kawhi next year. You think I'm crazy to say that? No, no. I think I think he's probably someone you could get towards the back end of the first round. Yeah, that would be um, great. I'd love that. Yeah, I think the next one, two, the next four names I've got could potentially go above him. Ooh, all right. Um, Wait, who's next? Now I yeah. got to know. 
Uh, yeah, so next I've got Trey Young. Yeah, he'll he'll go uh, in front of him. I'm almost positive. Yeah. Trey Young's probably going top five or six next year. Uh, yeah, I think Trey and, and Luca will go very close to each other next season. Um, so yeah, look, I mean Trey was he was amazing this year as well, and 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 again he's a he's sort of one of this all these players here that we've gone through already. He and and uh, and Doncic are obviously the youngest, so based on that, they they've um, got plenty of room to to improve. So um, and even I mean Trey Young's. Uh, jump from from his rookie season to this season um, was was pretty amazing. His, his field goal percentage is a a bit of an issue, but again, when you're scoring that many points and and handing out that many assists, um, you don't. Yeah, I mean, field goal percentage. You you take what you can get. He has good games. He has bad games, but uh, his free throw percentage is obviously a lot better than Doncic at the moment. Um, so yeah, no. Look, I think number eight. I'd be stoked to get him there, but I, I'm not sure he falls that far. Actually, no, I don't. I th- yeah, he's he's going pretty early. Um, I'm with you on that one. Does his field goal percent improve? Even if it doesn't, you get a pretty damn good year out of him at this point. The the floor is so insanely high with that dude. So that's he's become now a very safe eight category first round pick. Who's uh, who's yeah. next guy on your list? So just on on. Trey uh, sure. quickly as well. I'm not. Sh- it'll be interesting to see how how he goes you know, with um with a full team around him. So uh, with well, with Capella on the floor, I guess. Um, how that impacts things. It's we're, we've we've seen him with with the the squad that he's got, but there's going to be some new players there. So um, yeah, yeah, that'll be curious to see how that plays out as well. I actually really uh, so, like the idea of him having a good center to throw things yeah. to. That feels nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it. I mean, maybe it takes a little bit away from his scoring, but Capella's not a big scorer anyway. So, no. um, maybe, maybe one point or something, one or two points. But in terms of a, his assists, I mean, he was at nine point three assists this season. So, over ten next season, I don't think that's unrealistic at all. Yeah, I have no problem with his shots coming from twenty one down to to twenty. If yeah. that means, you know, losing a point. And gaining an assist, that's a good trade-off. One of those is worth more than the other in fantasy. One point versus one assist. So That's uh, right, yeah. Yeah, yep. totally with you. I've lost track of what number we're on right now. Is this number eight uh, or number nine? Number nine. Nine, okay. Number nine. Uh, so, Nicole Jokic, number nine. Um, yeah, well, okay, so before you even get into your thoughts on this one, would you ever consider letting someone else get Jokic and then try to trade for him after he sort of waddled his way yeah. through the first four weeks. Is that, is it about like, I've thought about this a lot. This has been something I've sat on and thought, do I have the stones to actually just skip him? Even if he's the guy I want and think, you know what? I'm going to trade my second rounder for him one month into the season, no matter what their two stats are. I, I feel like I would do it, but then when the time comes, I know I would wimp out. Sorry, now you can go ahead. <laughs> I jumped yeah, on you. Yeah, no, no, look, that's that's fair. Oh, he's not actually a guy that I target very heavily in drafts. Um, he does, I mean, he, he is known for those slow starts and and there is an, an option to, to pick him up a, a bit later. Whether that's going to be the same next season, the, the off-season may be shorter. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a total mystery what happens the next few months, obviously. So... Yeah, he, he's not actually a guy that, that I target. I, I actually think he gets overdrafted a little bit. I mean, he ended this season at number 11. Um, 
and that's sort of more where I'd be comfortable taking him, the back of the, the the back end of the first round or early second round. But he will go higher than that, and I think it's just his unique game and his unique skill set that that people are drawn to. So obviously his his passing ability, his assists, but when you look outside of that number. He's not a big scorer. He's a decent rebounder, but he's not a. He's not. I wouldn't call him elite. Um, and then defensively, he's yeah. I mean, yeah. Point, six, <laughs> point six blocks from your centre is is not great. So um, while the yeah, I mean the the passing game is is incredible and he's the best passing centre in the league. There are actually a few not flaws, but but areas of his game that that could be better, but I don't really see them getting a lot better. So, um, now what about yeah, not, someone, not someone I target? What about what I like to call the 10th category when I'm doing nine cap, but I guess it would be the ninth category now. And that's durability. He's shown himself to be extraordinarily durable to the point where you kind of have to say, okay, this feels yeah. like not, this doesn't feel like something we can throw out. This feels like a trend he played in. I think, I think he, what did he, I think he missed one game this year, which is pretty remarkable for a big man. And so, even though he was number 11 by averages, he was number four by totals during the regular yes. season. That's a big difference. It is. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, look, and, and, and I, another reason why why he tends to, to go up there, and I'm probably one to take a little bit more risk um, when I draft, so so sort of hoping that the player that I take is going to play that many games. Um so yeah, no. Look, I think he'll go sort of in that Lillard range of of six, seven, eight, um, yeah, somewhere, and and that's and that's safe, um, but not not a huge amount of upside in terms of per game production. But as you said, he he rarely misses games. Although his frame is is different now. Um, he obviously we saw when he came back into the into the bubble. He he's a lot um, leaner and and looks more athletic. So what sort of an impact that has on on his ability to to play every game i don't know it it might not impact it at all or it could make him a little more vulnerable to injury i don't know so and plus you got late we'll summer and fall i mean it's an opportunity for him to hibernate and collect berries or whatever else he did before yeah. taking his his <laughs> long between season slumber uh yep. especially if next season we're hearing all these uh woge actually sent a tweet out right right before we started recording that the nba's board of governors is discussing delaying the draft free agency and the start of next year we kind of knew this type of stuff was coming especially as you start to think you know what could get people into arenas um you know if there's a longer layoff that probably works against a guy like Jokic who's shown in the past that he um tends to thicken up a little bit during the offseason I'm trying to be very kind about it we don't want to want to like body shame the guy but he didn't come into camp in shape and that's sort no. of been a thing with him now. That's also been a trend. So, anyway, um, number eleven? No, what are we now? Number ten. Mm. I promise. Uh, I promise you, I can count. I really can. I just. I know you. I've I heard do. you count. Before. <laughs> I can do it. I'll do it right on it. No, who's number ten? Uh, number ten, Giannis. Number ten. Uh, so the, this is obviously I mentioned earlier the the guy that I had at number ten will probably end up going a lot higher, and I think Giannis goes sort of top. Three. Top five, I think. Yeah, he probably drafts. goes. I bet he goes top three and eight cat. Top three, even yeah. Um, and obviously the the reason there is the free throws. I mean, when you bring up the the numbers on basketball monster, his free throw, um, 
his free throw percentage there, the the impact is bright red. So it's not uh, it's not a category you can really cover for. Um, yeah. Obviously, if you're, <laughs> if you're going to punt, he he moves way up. That is a deep um, crimson red. That's not that's is. not like a shaded pink. That's a deep deep red. Yeah, and we see. I mean, we've seen games where he you think, oh, maybe, look, maybe he's fixed some of these issues where he'll go sort of 10 of 12 or something, but then he'll do, I think there was a game last week, he did four of nine. And, and I mean, you look at you look at each individual game and you think, oh, well, maybe it's not that much of an issue, but you add them all together and it's obviously, it, it equals deep crimson red. So, um, yeah, look, I, I, I tend to not draft him unless I'm, I'm actively going in and punting free throws. I'm looking at some of his numbers, and I don't want to. This is not me playing devil's advocate because everybody that listens to this show has mocked me for hating Jan Giannis, even though he's you know one of the most exciting players in the NBA. He did, you know, 2016-2017, He shot seventy-seven percent at the free throw line. Is there a world where he gets back to that mark? Because if he does, then he is a top three guy in eight cap. But I don't. Like, like, I don't know how you bank on that, though, right? Is it, When are you willing... It sounds like you're willing to take that chance towards the end of the first round, but he'll never fall that far. No. And look, maybe he does, and, and good luck to whoever drafts him. If, if, if that happens, then then next season, you maybe reassess your, your projections and your rankings. But, uh, yeah, I just... I don't know. I, I just think it's it's a... He, he's... he's shooting technique to me doesn't look I mean it's it's not perfect obviously and, and there aren't many players who are perfect but I just don't see it as something that can improve dramatically um look maybe it does but um also I mean the the obviously the the three point shooting is something he's trying to work on and and he he averaged 1.4 this season uh but Again, he he shoots a lot of his a lot of threes he shoots are air balls as well. So yeah, it's not it like they're, a... they're off by a sort of a millimeter, a centimeter, an inch. They, they miss completely. So it's obviously still really a work in progress. And and yeah, look, maybe it improves, but I, I I'm just not prepared to take that risk. No. at number three. Nor generally. nor am I. Number eleven. Who you got? Uh, Kevin Durant at number eleven. This. I wasn't sure where to slot him in um, and where he goes. I, I don't know. I mean, there's there there's a world where people remember back to how good he was and, and he goes top five. Uh, but I, he was he was tricky to slot in there. I, I wasn't yeah. exactly sure where he goes. And we're not really going to get a feel for anything until we haven't even seen him back in practice or anything like that. So, um, yeah, look, I... I just think he'll go. I think he'll go first round. Where he goes will really just depend on who who you're drafting against. Would you take him in the? I know you have him ranked there at the end of the first round. Would you take him in the first round? Because there's a lot of missed game risk on the hook here. Yeah, I probably. Well, yeah, I don't. Perhaps if I were if I was pick twelve and he was there, I might only because I know I'm getting the next pick and I, I could really sort of. Um, compensate the hit the risks with him by picking a really safe guy at number 13 sure yeah um but yeah i i don't know if he falls that far um i mean he was the number one fantasy player for quite a few seasons i think from memory so 
um, number one, number two. So I think people are going to remember back to that, and, and I think he ends up going top ten. Um, yeah, I think I'm inclined to think that he goes towards the the tail end of it, like where you've got him. I think he's, this is probably yeah. somewhat close to where he ends up dropping. A lot of the names you mentioned, especially an eight cat, uh, are guys that people want to take a shot with the Lucas, the Trays, the yeah, the, the cats, the Stephs, the Giannis's. So there's just sort of enough names there where you're you're kind of forcing KD to like eight at earliest, and then you're going to get some people in there that are risk averse like me, where he probably then falls towards nine, ten, eleven. So I think where you've got him is is probably relatively close to where he goes. I, I think I think that's pretty close. Um, yeah, I think I you know my take on him is actually the same take I have on Kyrie, who I don't know if he's going to be on your list today, but. Basically, if those guys make it to the second round, I take them with any second round pick I have. 13 through 24, I will use it on either one of those guys. But I'd rather have KD between the two of them. Um, but these are guys where I'm like, look, you know, the floor is we don't know. Because they could play 40 games, they could play 65, they could play 70. It, it, you know, the per game floor is fantastic, but we need to make sure they stay on the floor. The upside is for both of those guys, mid to high first round. So at some point, you have to roll the dice on them. And for me, that point is the second round. Um, who's your number 12? Who rounds out your first round? Uh, it's not Kyrie. Um, I was tempted, but I'm, I'm not drafting Kyrie in the first yeah, round. Yeah, he's, he's an um, easier sell in nine cat also at just two and, he, two and change turnovers a game. Yeah, he is. And look, per game, as you said, per game, he can be a top top six, top five type player. But he, I don't know, the, the injury thing really, really worries me with him. Um which it doesn't with many players, but it does with him. So, uh, so number twelve for me was Jason Tatum. Um, again, I'm not sure whether I take him there, but I mean he's he's been pretty good this season. Um, a lot better than I thought. I I can't remember where I had him in my uh, preseason rankings, but it was nowhere near where he finished. Yeah, I mean, he was one of those guys where I think a lot of us looked at him and said, "There's some nice post hype appeal with him." But I thought, you know, maybe he'd end up in the late 20s to mid 30s. I did not see end of first, beginning of second coming up. Uh, I had a feeling he was going to be a value, but not even remotely close to where that that turned out to be. Uh, I think he was nine. Am I getting this right? He was like around 19 and eight cat this last year. Yeah. Yeah. So top, so top 20. And, and I think, um, oh, I mean, I haven't got the, I would say over the back half of the season, he was probably quite a bit more than that you know um, who i might go ahead of him in eight cat where you and i can fight a little bit for the just this 12th pick is yeah. um a guy that i never talk about drafting because he's much more of an eight cat guy than nine and that's devin booker I, yep. he, like I, I am not a big fan of the devin booker fantasy thing but his close to four turnovers a game is a massive drag in nine cat and then in eight cat he's uh he was pretty good he was 14 this year um, played in, in most of Phoenix's games finally because it looked like they had something to do and he's showing signs of getting better. He's sort of crested on that do I fear this guy as an opposing team meter and I think he's on that list now. I think I might go Booker over Tatum if we're going to argue just about the 12th player. We need to have some controversy, right? We've argued, we've basically agreed about everything else. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I, I think uh, you could make a case for Booker for sure there. Um, and, and interestingly, I think when you look at him, um, 
there are some similarities to other players, that sort of thing. One thing that actually sort of works in his favour is is his efficiency. Um, he's he's not a negative in, in in field goal percentage, even though he's shooting so many shots for the Suns. Um, that's actually a, a bit of a point of difference for him is that he he is able to to convert at almost 50%. Um when you look at players like Trey Young that we mentioned and 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 Luca and that sort of thing they're they're shooting sort of mid 40s um and I mean 4 5% as we know in 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 fantasy makes a big difference. So uh yeah no look I I could get on board with Booker there at that sort of spot. And and we saw what he did in the bubble. I mean, and, and when Phoenix are competitive and have something to play for, um, he was the, he was the clear floor leader there. So yeah, no, absolutely. I, I can't really argue with that. Yeah. I'd like to see, I know this is a weird thing to say for a guy that averaged what, 26 points per game. I think Devin could average more than that. I think he could get up closer to 30 and he probably should. Um, as long as he lets, Ricky Rubio make most of the passes. He makes the smart ones, let Rubio do the weird stuff and try to keep his turnovers down. That's more of a nine cat issue, I know, but um, it does feel like there's, he's fixed the things that were always the the biggest fears for me, which was field goal percent. And so now there's this peripheral stuff like help with the turnovers, uh, maybe get, maybe, uh, I know it's insane to say, but even more usage because offensively he's he's an insane weapon at this point. Um, but anyway, I mean, we're splitting hairs a little bit, you and I. I just I felt like I wanted to throw something in there towards the end. That was a fun exercise. First round complete, Adam. Thanks a bunch. No worries. That was good. It's always good to find something to talk about because there's not much at the, at the moment. <laughs> um, although a tweet did just come through. I mean, we're obviously we're, we're tweeting. We're recording this a little bit early, but Zach Collins is done. He's having surgery on his ankle. So um, not that, that that's a huge thing, but it's something. It is something. It is something. He is the great Adam King at Adam King 91 on Twitter. He's a hoop baller and he's getting you ready for next year already. Have a great weekend, man. I know that you I know this pod is airing on Monday, but uh enjoy your Saturday. We will. We're we're actually it's very cold, very wet, but we're we're going out to look at a, a few houses today. We we may be looking at moving house, oh, so wow. we thought we'd we thought we'd get out and into into public, into the public, and and uh, do a few things and look at some houses. So it should be fun. Should oh, be fun. what's that like to go out in public? We haven't <laughs> we haven't done that here in half a year. Uh, good luck, Kingmaker. Make it so. Thank you. We'll, we'll, I'll talk to you again soon. You certainly will. All right. All right. I'm gonna pause the record. And that was our good buddy Adam King at Adam King 91 on the Twitter. We'll be talking to him not too long from now. He's always got something fun up his sleeve, working on cool ideas. That guy's got a great brain on his settled. I wanted to call it a delicious brain. It's such a zombie thing to say. You guys might start to think I'm a zombie. Um, We've mostly talked about now what happened over the weekend, not necessarily in terms of kind of the game to game, but the results with the exception of two series. I want to talk about two series real quick before we finish things up today. One of those, because Boston and Philly is done, we don't need to really talk more about that one all that. Well, you know what? Actually, let's, let's make it three. So uh, I, don't, I don't want to need to talk about Toronto-Brooklyn. Toronto looks great. Brooklyn had no chance because they didn't have any of their players with them. Boston, honestly, I wasn't super impressed with this first round. Like, Philly... 
Philly was outclassed in this series, which is sort of disappointing because it's not as though they didn't have capable basketball players. Still, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Josh Richardson. These are all guys that we've said really good things about, but they never felt like they were getting good shots. And I know Boston's defense is pretty good. They're always going to be sort of tenacious on that side of the ball, but it just it didn't ever seem like Philly had a line of attack besides see what happens when Joel Embiid has the basketball. It's not a horrible way to go, but there were long stretches in that series where it felt like Philly was playing better when Al Horford was in and Embiid was out, and there was just sort of ball movement and confidence. And I don't know, maybe you guys saw something different than I did, but when I watched Philadelphia's body language, when Embiid was on the floor, it didn't seem like the guys around him were all that excited. And I don't think that's Embiid's fault. The issue there, of course, is that he is, quite frankly, a lot better than the other guys on offense. And so when he's in there, it's like, look, give it to me. This is our best chance to get something going. But at the same time, there was just no ball movement. They were just sort of attacking the same thing over and over and over again. And he got a ton of free throws and he piled up numbers. But then you looked at some of the other stuff going on and it it just, you got this feeling like Philly was looking around as if to say, if I miss this shot, will I ever get it again? Will I touch the ball again? And they fought, give them credit, they fought tooth and nail right to the very end. They, they ended up losing this game by only four points, so they, they did actually cover the spread. So give Philly credit for fighting even when down 3-0. But, but you know, offensively, I just I didn't like what they were doing. Kemba Walker had a really big one, uh, kind of a finally thing going on. Jason Tatum was very good again. Even our guy Daniel Tice got in the mix Marcus Smart, he's seeing big playing time. I mean, he was going to anyway, but he's a starter now with Gordon Hayward out for a few more weeks. Hayward, by the way, leaving the bubble to rehab uh, with presumably with his family because his wife is like 9.25 months pregnant at this point. Uh, and then Jalen Brown had a rare slow game. So, you know, Celtics kind of did their same stuff, and they were fine. You know, Kemba looked really good. Tatum looked really good. But over, they, you know, they weren't to me overwhelming in this series and for Philly they're just a poorly constructed team that's it they built their roster to contend with Milwaukee but they sort of forgot that there were going to be other good teams along the way and then Ben Simmons injury of course a massive massive blow that they didn't really ever recover from this is a team that needed more shooting they needed more floor spacing and they needed more methods of attack When Ben Simmons went out, they got exposed for just having no real transition game, no real half court besides Embiid in the post. It was was weird. Uh, Boston's going to have their hands full in the next round. It's not, it's going to be anything, it's going to be far from a cakewalk. Toronto is very good. So at least we know one matchup for the next round. I do think the Raptors win that series. Uh, I think the Raptors win it in in probably six or seven games. It's going to be a deep one. But to me, Toronto, you know, they didn't have quite the same test. Brooklyn was not as good as Philadelphia. Not close. But just from a who-can-do-what standpoint, I think Toronto has the right pieces to, uh, to tackle Boston well. And then hopefully with Kyle Lowry turning his ankle, he'll have enough time to get that right. Uh, I want to jump over Clippers-Mavs because that was amazing and straight to Denver-Utah because with every game in this series, I feel more vindicated in saying 
Denver's not going to win anything unless they guard somebody. And it's such an old, stupid adage that anyone can crack off. But Jamal Murray, huge ball game, didn't matter. Donovan Mitchell had one more point. Mike Conley had 26. Clarkson had 24. They're literally not guarding anyone. This is Utah we're talking about. Not exactly known for having the most premier offense in the league. And I get it. You know, once a guy gets going like this with Donovan Mitchell, it's going to be hard to slow him down. But you got to take some responsibility for letting him get going. I will say this. This series remains basically a coin flip. And so, you know, Denver, they could very easily swing it back in their direction with a little bit of effort on the defensive side. Uh, But right now... You're just you're not seeing it. I mean, Utah shot Utah shot 58 percent in this ball game. They only won by two because Denver's really good on offense. But geez, good gravy. So we'll see. All right, that'll about wrap it up. That's all I wanted to talk about on stuff over the weekend. Should be another fun day of games. They start in about a half an hour from the time that uh, I'm finishing recording this podcast. Big shout out once again to our buddies over at Manscaped.com. Uh, they've been terrific partners to this point. I hope you guys have tried out their stuff. You can use promo code HOOPBALL20 over at manscaped.com to check out the Lawnmower 3.0 with freshly integrated LED technology. you got a light built into that sucker. It's waterproof, 7,500 RPMs, 90 minutes of charging time. It's doing all the things you need it to. That is the Lawnmower 3.0 over at manscaped.com. Promo code to get 20% off and free shipping is HoopBall20. I would say, please do check that out. So far, everybody that has has told me they've enjoyed it. That's quite a few of you, actually, to this point. So, again, that's manscaped.com. Shout out once again to our buddies at mybookie.ag. I am Dan Vespers. Thank you to Adam King for once again bringing fantasy to the mix these days. He's Adam King91 on Twitter. I'm at Dan Vespers. I will talk at you guys again tomorrow. Have a great Monday, everybody. So long. This has been a hoop ball presentation.